Patrick and Tom thought they had escaped the hell of Amityville, but another franchise has gotten its hooks into them. The Amityville Podcast goes to hell. Welcome back to the Amityville Horror Podcast. I am Tom. I am Pat. And here we are. We've come to, come to the end of the Black Rainbow. We are in the 2022 reboot of Hellraiser. 11 Hellraiser films down. Uh, that's this two more than Texas Chainsaw. This is 10. We, we've watched or, or 11 altogether. Right. Okay. This, is, this, this will be 11, yeah. uh, which you get. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One, one short of, one, yeah, one short of Friday the 13th. Yeah. That's kind of impressive. How many is Leprechaun up to? Which we're never going to do. Seven-ish. Yeah. Seven or eight. Um, there was like some sort of other remake or reboot that they had. Yeah, it was. It doesn't matter. No, no, we're not doing them. So we're not, we're, yeah, we're just not. I just like look. Just we 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 hear you, but at the same time, they're just boring and bad, and we've seen enough of them mm-hmm. that we don't ever need to see any more of them. And it's a different kind of franchise in that, like. With Texas Chainsaw, lots of different people tried to make chainsaws. Yeah. Lots of different people tried to make Hellraisers, including getting away from original cast and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're watching franchises that get handed off here and there, but like the Leprechauns, I don't think they're so much handed off as just Assigned. well, we need another one. <laughs> yeah, like let's just knock one out. But I don't think anybody's got a burning need to make the next one. No. Um, it's kind of like uh, you see all the horror movie producers immediately put their fingers to their nose and saying, not it. And exactly. like, son of a bitch. Yeah, but like people are making their own Amityvilles, so that's clearly getting something out of their system. Yep. For better or worse. For better or worse. Yeah, but we're, yeah, we're diving into franchises that people kind of want to be a part of. Yes. And put their stamp on it. Yes, which this one, uh, I, I have seen this previously, which, you know, differentiates it from all of two of the movies that on this list, or mm-hmm. only one other. There's only one that I'd never actually seen any of, that uh, Revelations one, which, you know, You're it right. wasn't as bad as I was expecting it to be, considering yeah. its reputation, but, mm-hmm. you know, low expectations, but... Uh, yeah, this one, which was the second movie in as many years to be to premiere on Hulu. Yeah, they had that Books of Blood attempted. Uh, well, it was originally supposed to be a series of uh, you know like a TV series, right? Uh, uh, anthology series, but then it was like we're going to give you the budget for two and a half, and so they made two and a half, and uh, it sucked. Yeah, it was really annoying. Like because. There have been different adaptions of stories from the Books of Blood, including the adaptation of the Book of Blood, the right. actual framing what was series. Uh, Candyman came from Books of Blood, right? It was uh, a short yes. story. It yeah. was uh, originally The Forbidden and The Forbidden. There was, in England, uh, the Books of Blood go from volume one to six. In America, there were three volumes titled The Books of Blood, and then the last three volumes came out under, they were collections still, but they had different names, so it was like uh, In the Flesh, The Forbidden, and Cabal. Right. Which gotcha. was Nightbreed. Yeah. And, um... The uh, it was just so annoying watching that books of blood thing because it's like okay let's do something new that we haven't seen and so it's like two stories that were made up whole hog for the t- for the anthology series which weren't good at all and yet and another adaptation of the book of blood 
Cool. Cool. Yeah. It felt like a real big waste of time. Yeah, that's missing the entire point of buying the short story collection. Use some of the short stories and some of the ones that, again, haven't been touched yet. Yeah. It's like, I appreciate that it's a classic Twilight Zone episode, but every reboot of Twilight Zone doesn't need uh, the thing on the wing of the plane. Dare at 10,000 feet. Yeah. I, I agree. Like, if... Uh, like, you, you go into the Books of Blood uh, with the intention of making an eight-episode series, hopefully get renewed and everything. The minute you get told you, you're only getting a movie, you have to readjust your plan. And it's like, okay, well, let's not do the Book of Blood again. because Or right. let's just do a five-minute truncated thing explaining it. Yeah. And then move on to new things. Mm, we've only got so much time to work with. I'm saying. Um, the... Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark movie. Mm -hmm. They spend half the movie on the framing sequence that's not a part of the book. And so the short stories get short shrift. And so all of the stuff you want to see is basically little snippets in between a whole bunch of we don't care about some characters that you know are mostly going to be fine, which is against the point of the short stories. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating. This does not do that. This Hellraiser movie... I, I, I was impressed with it. And I'm very, very interested to see what Pat's going to think. But uh, in terms of previous films, horror franchises with reboots, and I know we've covered this a bit, can you think of any that really like go out of their way to change the framework of things? Like, to try to reinvigorate it. Because like, we talked about how like the, uh, the Child's Play reboot movie was not executed well but not the worst idea no. in terms of updating the Chucky mm-hmm. idea the, I, the killer doll idea again I think that it was done much better in Megan mm-hmm. uh, I think one could argue that the uh, the Candyman sequel that came out a couple years ago uh, while well, it does so many different things but it also kind of works as a reboot in terms of it's not just the one guy it's right. all of these guys, and that can reinvigorate and go into so many different directions now. Mm-hmm. It opens up a lot of the universe of the concept. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it opens it up for more stories that aren't just tethered to this one incident. Yeah. And it honors the original. Mm. So, yeah, no, the, the new Candyman was fantastic. Yeah. Like, uh, I guess another, another failure, like the Child's Play one, not the Candyman one, uh, Jason Goes to Hell. Uh, just a misguided attempt to try something different. And it's it's you, a fun movie if you don't look at it as a Friday the 13th. Is it? Yeah. I think there's some fun stuff in there. Fair. But as a Friday the 13th, it misses all of the things we like. Yeah. Like, at least Jason going to space and Jason X follows the formula of we're somewhere, we did something stupid, Jason's coming after us, we don't know how to run, we're making every wrong decision, mm. Jason's a lumbering beast, we cannot stop. Whereas Jason goes to hell and starts getting into weird, like, body hopping and other mystic concepts that have never been a part of this. Yeah, the uh, the the heretofore, or the unknown or secret origin of Jason Voorhees, yeah. which they've never actually explained how he didn't drown. Like, if you're going to explain anything and Jason goes to hell, why not explain how he didn't drown and the mother never found him for, like, 20 years? Yeah. It's Jason goes to hell makes the mistake of trying to change Jason, whereas Jason X and Manhattan, which is mm-hmm. not a great movie, but... Uh, 
Um, but they take Jason, keep Jason Jason, and just put him in a different environment. Yes. You can put Jason wherever as long as Jason is Jason. Exactly. Uh, but Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. Um, There's the Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Yeah. Changing the concept, uh, making it a possession movie. Yeah. Didn't, Didn't work. work. <laughs> um, other ones? And I will say that New Nightmare... Um, takes Freddy, puts him mm. in the real world, and elevates him to what Freddy came from originally. And for some people, it works, myself included. Others, it didn't. Yeah, it works for me. I completely understand the arguments against. You yeah. know, it's just it's one of those things. It's, you either like it or you don't, and you yeah. can't really argue one yeah. with the others. Other, I mean, other teams, sorry. Even liking it, like it follows a flow from one to three to seven. But it's not necessarily in line with the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'll be curious to see what the post Wes Craven screams look like in comparison to the Wes Craven screams. Well, we'll get there when we yeah, get there. That's fair. Yeah. Um, who else track uh, like swings for the fences? Um. Well, we we gave the shark a personality in Jaws: The Revenge. <laughs> Did we? I don't no. really feel like anyone had a personality in that movie. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But like Jaws two is literally just another shark at the same beach, mm-hmm. and Jaws people, three is Sea World. Yeah, least. like they changed locations, they changed climate. Mm-hmm. They that shark was more intelligent. Uh, they didn't say is on the nose a version of it being personal, but it seems mm-hmm. like. Yeah. There might be some revenge already happening. Mm, yeah. Totes, totes. The, uh, those traditionally loving and familial sharks. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even like eating people. Why would they want revenge? Uh, you know, they've developed a taste for them now. They're man-eaters now. But these aren't the ones that developed a taste. No, Those no, ones no, got no, no. killed in each, each previous film. <sighs> Look, we can make a lot of money if we just make another one. That's <laughs> the story. Which, uh, mercifully, this one, uh, is not, uh, it, 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 this one, like, the rights had reverted back to Clive, I think, by the time this one came out, or or in preparation for it, um, this had been, the, the reboot had been, quote-unquote, in pre-production for something like 15 years, like, at various different points, like, at one point it was supposed to be, a. Uh, Patrick Lussier and Todd Farmer were going to do it, which, man, I still want to see their Hellraiser movie if they ever want to get around to making one, because we love them. Yeah. Um, I just want to read all the scripts for all all of their coulda, shoulda, wouldas. Their Friday the 13th would have been fantastic, I think. They would have gotten it. Yeah. And Tom Atkins would have finally been in a Friday the 13th movie. Oh. Right? Yep. This is crucial. Um, But, uh, no, I, I think, like, this is, um, honestly, this is closer to uh, Gary Tunnicliffe's uh, Hellraiser Judgment in terms of actual, genuine affection for the uh, the original movie and the mythos and trying to come up with some new ideas. Uh, this, we're, we're going to see in a few minutes, it changes a lot of the mechanics of everything okay. for good in good ways and in bad and uh we'll discuss them in further detail after we watch it uh 
this is like one of the few times where we, where I think we will say you should just go to Hulu and watch it first. Like this just came out. Uh, I, I would recommend everybody go watch it first before listening to our summation of it, because we will talk about every single thing about it. That's just what we do. Fair. And uh, also it's been out for almost a year now. Yeah. Or, but and accessible. Uh, eight or so months. It came out in October of last year. So it's you've had time. It's on streaming. It's on yeah. Hulu. You no, should have seen it. I'll give my verdict one way or the other in a, in a few moments. Oh, that's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. My bad. Yeah. Um, and also just hopping back to the Hulu and relaunches or sequels or whatnot, Predator. That entire franchise has basically been a fresh start each time. There are tethers every so often. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, every single one is, what else can we do with this concept? Yes. Like, okay, well, he's in the jungle because the heat helps the cloaking, you know, work with heat ripples and humidity and such. That's Let's cool. put him in L.A. Stinking hot L.A. Yeah. Like, Let's have him deal with city violence. Okay, cool. We did that. Uh, now we're going to just not tell you where it is. And by the end of the first act, you realize, oh, we're on an alien world. Yeah. That's a fun take. Um, I still like the Shane Black one more than most people. Like all. Yeah. But it's the weakest of the franchise. Yeah. And I would love to see the director's cut, though. It's going to be five hours of nonsense, man. Nah, I hope that it's five hours of filling in the gaps. Anywho. I didn't think there were really any gaps in the plot. It was just... There were major chunks cut out, so I want to know what and how it would have helped. Fair. Um, Because it was not his choice to cut them, so Mm. usually that means it was probably important to the writer. Uh, But... All that aside, Hulu last year put up Prey. Oh, Prey is so good. It's, I mean, right after the first one is my favorite. It's honestly, I love, like, I've heard other podcasts talk about it, and I love how everybody kind of comes to the same response. It's like, one, I need to watch it at least one more time before making, like, a final judgment. But all, but... I want to say that it's better than the the original, but also the original is the original, so there's nothing without it and everything. Yeah. It's like, that's how good Prey is, where it's yeah. just like, I honestly don't know if this is or is not better than the first Predator movie. It wouldn't exist without the first one, and a lot of the things that make it work were from that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things that make it work are its ability to call back to it without feeling pandering. Yes. Because it's not somebody quoting the first movie. It's just uh, echoes of incidents. Yeah. But it's just such an entertaining, well thought out, front to back, and action. It's just really good. It's It's really, really good. You should watch Hellraiser and then watch Prey because Prey will leave you in a better state of mind by the end of the night. Yeah, and Prey takes place before all of the other Predator movies, so you don't mm-hmm. need to have seen any of the other ones. No. Um, any any given Predator movie, you're not really worried about continuity. And they no. all take place in their own pocket incidents. They really do. Like, yes, especially the AVP ones, which, you uh, know. Right, yeah. I, I we, don't count them. We don't not count them, but we also don't count them. When I say... <laughs> Yeah. I love all of the Predator movies. I oh, do not yeah. count the AVPs. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that was a given. That was a given. It's just like, it's just like, look, it was a thing. It happened. The second one was fun. The first one was miserable for some yeah. reason. Yeah. And I'm not saying, like, 
they don't exist. They don't care. I'm just saying that, that I call that a separate franchise. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah easy. I don't count those towards the Alien franchises either. No. Um, it's just a different thing. They're a different thing. Like, they don't line up. They don't, they, like, they... They really wanted them to connect to the 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 respective franchises, but they also seemingly went out of their way to screw it up at the same time. So yeah. it's kind of like it's weird. Just like fun, it, screw up the connections, not yeah. the movie itself. The movie itself, it's like your mileage will vary on all of them. It's like, look, I appreciate in the first Alien versus Predator, you're in a ziggurat. Uh, an enclosed cigarette with one alien race that needs a gigantic computer visor to see anything and another alien race that doesn't have eyes. Of course, there aren't going to be any lighting sources. It would still be nice for me and the audience to be able to see anything yeah. in the movie mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. It's annoying. Like, maybe uh, it would have worked as a podcast. Maybe it would have worked as a podcast. Like, ah, you know, surround screechings yeah. and weirdness. But yeah, so in the meantime, we're going to watch the 2022 Hellraiser because, you know, and also not for nothing. Can we just start putting the years in the titles now? I'm tired of saying this parentheses and like having I'm tired of having to type parentheses every time I want to look one of these movies up. Yeah, it's my first world problem of the day. There needs if you're in a franchise, you need to differentiate your movies. Yeah. Like even like Class of 1984 and Class of 1999, the sequel didn't come out in '99. No, but and it's really kind of barely a sequel. It's, they're, they're tethered robots. to each other, but yeah, it's the robot version of the other movie. Um, it's they are apparently connected. Okay, but if you I've watch them the back to one. back, the. the not so much. No. No. <laughs> like, they're the same general exploitation plot line, mm-hmm. except they replace punks with, you know, now there are robot teachers. Okay. Um, it's a thing. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> but they put a year in the title. They put a something in the title to let you know. Uh, something else. It's like, I, you know, I, 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 I always worry when genre tries to run away from the fact that it's a genre thing like we're up to eight hellraiser movies and it's like well we don't want to put hellraiser nine or whatever on there and it's like but you could say no but you could like it's not a bad thing people look the people that nobody was going to see the new hellraiser movie that wasn't already a fan of the hellraiser movies right or, or you know just a horror movie person in general so you're not going to offend a horror movie person by putting the sequel number in the title no it used to be a badge of honor it's like yeah. hey look you're at nightmare on El- uh, nightmare on elm street part five baby you're yeah. at friday the 13th part eight you can't kill this franchise yeah and that's actually not you know not to get ahead of ourselves that is a discussion in one of the new screams about number ah. or no number um, with a lot of these thoughts that, you know, I don't want to echo too much, but mm-hmm. my take is you add the number if you are saying that continuity matters and you should know you're previously on. That's a good distinction. But if you're saying, look, new user-friendly, Jason X, Jason yeah. Goes to Hell, or, you're basically saying, just come in, you know that yeah. it's Jason that's all you need. Yeah. Hellraiser Inferno. Hellraiser, Don't worry about Hellraiser where it fits in anything. It's no just numbers. another Hellraiser movie. Yeah. But right. you can find you can identify it easily. It's right. like this is the this is this Hellraiser. This is that Hellraiser. Exactly. And now we have Hellraiser 2022. Yeah. 
with the girl pinhead. Because that's what—that's the only thing they've left Wait, us with now. Is it Rosie the pinhead from Elijah Scuggs Recatorium? I mean, I don't want to give anything away. Okay, because she learned to sing so beautifully. Oh, God. Ugh. All right, let's start the movie. All right, let's do the movie. We have seen the sights. What did you think? That was good. That was I a good movie. I think it, I, I think it really works yeah. overall. The changes are dramatic, though. You have to. Oh yeah. Like not just in terms of like, oh, we've got a girl playing Bennett. Oh, we're doing the makeup. They changed the mechanics of the of just the move the the Hellraiser uh, mythos. Yeah, though um, in the past, generally, open the box, you're screwed, has yeah. been at least the core concept that sometimes they've played fast and loose with. They have played fast and loose with it, yes, but this is the first, like, now the box is out, is overtly transferable, which I have mixed feelings on. On the one hand, I always thought it was one of the things that really separated Hellraiser from everything else. The victim has to kind of want to be in this situation to some degree and find puts themselves in the situation to open the box. But on the other hand, uh, you can be walking down the street one day and accidentally get nicked by the box and all of a sudden you're fucked. Does make the whole prospect scarier. It makes it scarier, but um, um, it's one thing that kind of pulls me out of... The mythology on this one and on some of the sequels here and there is when it's innocent bystander Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. Uh, what works the best is you've made a bad deal and you're scrambling to get out of it and you're taking down innocent bystanders. The person who made the deal is typically the villain. Yeah. When done well. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um but in a lot of them, yeah, it's just somebody just got caught up in stuff and you don't really know if there's a villain or not. Uh, it just is, oh, shit, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. But it's it's not even not reading the terms of service. It's basically getting screwed by the terms of service when you weren't even presented with them. Well, yeah, it makes it much more like a conventional slasher where you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Right. And all of a sudden there's a monster yeah. that's coming to kill you. Yeah, whereas um, my favorite Hellraiser kind of stuff is your bad decisions or your bad desires are biting you in the ass now. Agreed. Yeah. You know, the, like, the, the, again, it's a choice that they make. And I don't I don't know how, uh, like, how I feel about whether or not it was overall the better choice or not. It does make it scarier, though, which because it's like it, it, uh, Hellraiser... The, the 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 original ones the like the good ones well, like one and two it is kind of like a jaw situation where it's like dude just don't go in the water just like don't yeah. make horrendous choices about you know getting your rocks off mm-hmm. and you know you will you would never even hear about the hellraiser box and you'd yeah. be fine and now it's like oh my sister is messed up and i'm just trying to bring her home and now all of a sudden i'm being tortured for well, it doesn't look like eternity anymore, so there's that at least. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you're getting tortured to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's... It seems like there might be some afterlife nastiness. But, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They, they kind of... 
they, they uh, like Pinhead does refer to people having ends, which kind of is softens it a little bit because like the yeah. original Hellraiser is like, hey, we've got you, and this is hell, so uh-huh. we've got you forever. Mm-hmm. Ugh, just. I was raised Catholic, so Hellraiser still just scares the shit out of me. Yeah. But that's why I feel like it's the your decision. You're being punished for your decisions, not mm-hmm. the arbitrary nature of the universe. Yeah. Like there's again, there's plenty of horror that's the arbitrary nature of the universe, but like just the morality play of it. It's definitely less so in yeah. this because now it's much more of a conventional slasher movie mm-hmm. starring the Cenobites. Right. Uh, like, this is also the first one where it's really about kids. You know, I, I know they're all, like, kind of in their 20s and stuff, mm-hmm. but compare, compared to, like, all of the other Hellraisers, like, this one felt more about young people making stupid decisions or, you know, mm-hmm. doing things wrong as opposed to, like, the first one where it's just, like, people in middle age that are miserable sort yeah. of thing. And I, uh, again, a trade-off. It's like, I don't think it, like, I really do enjoy the cast of this film. So mm. it doesn't, it's not a bad thing, but it's like, this is a different, this is a different approach. Like even Hell World, uh, that one's all about, you know, young 20-somethings, but it's also not really a Hellraiser story. Like even mm-hmm. inside the Hellraiser movie, like I like it a lot. But, yeah. you know, it's we're doing something different. Um, and so it's okay that it's just, you know, teeny bopper slasher movie. Right. Yeah. I think, yeah, all over the, the series, 11 and um, definitely all over the place on what they were going for. Mm. Uh, and again, sometimes it was other stuff brought in to become a Hellraiser movie, but yeah. what they were going for didn't originally have Hellraiser in it. It's Hellbound Heart. Ha uh-huh. ha. Um. Yeah, it's. I can enjoy the movies individually, but as a cohesive whole, oh, franchises no. absolutely no, no, no. scatterbrained. Yeah, yeah, no, no. This uh, it, it's all over the place. There's no internal. After the first four, there is no internal consistency whatsoever. No. Uh, the first four, you you can make the argument for it. But, mm-hmm. eh, you know, yeah. even there, it's just kind of sketchy. Yeah. But, yeah. After that, you may have callbacks. You may have attempts to have continuity. But it really winds up being conflicting continuities anyway. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I still love them all, though. To varying degrees. Mm. Except for, you know, those metal two. Or those two. Doesn't matter. So. We open in Belgrade, Serbia. Like, it's title-carded Belgrade, Serbia, as if the rest of the film will not be filmed in Belgrade, Serbia. They will pretend mm. it's Massachusetts, but it is. it was all filmed in Serbia. It's yeah. fine. This is where, you know, the tax breaks are. Uh, and also, it should be, like, again, this, at, at minimum, this one it was intended to be a Hellraiser start to finish. Right. So, we do appreciate that. But we're introduced to uh, Serena who is meeting with a sketchy-looking dude on a park bench in, in Belgrade. <laughs> and um, she is uh, exchanging money for a box that has the box for her employer, Roland Voigt, played by a fairly sinister-looking Goran Mishnik of ER fame. Remember ER? Never seen it. it I, 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 like, last year, I was, like, sat... 
because they're all on HBO Max. I, I watched every single episode of the 15 seasons of ER. Oh, dear Lord. And wow, that show just gets miserable after a while. It's incredible. I've never seen a whole episode of the hour-long George Clooney ER. Mm-hmm. I did watch a bunch of the half-hour George Clooney ER with e Elliot Gould. R. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't remember that when he ended up. That's fair. So, Nobody yeah. does. Man, George Clooney had, what, like 50 different, like, uh, pilots and or short, like, oh, he was, single season He was shows. considered a bad luck charm for your pilot. <laughs> he kind of was, so was, though. Right. So was Jason Bateman for forever. Jason mm. Bateman spent, like, 20 years... Being in pilot after pilot after pilot that wouldn't get picked up mm-hmm. until Arrested Development. And it was almost by that point kind of an inside joke. That's sad. Uh, yeah. But luckily, Earth of Development happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then we cut to Massachusetts, but mm-hmm. really, we're still in Belgium. We're still in Serbia. Yeah. It's uh, Berkshire, Massachusetts. Berkshire. Uh, which um, gave me the rando side thought. I wonder if there's a town called Midnight in Massachusetts. Midnight Mass? Yeah. Eh. If not, I might put it in a hacky parsed short. I mean, yeah. It's got to be hacky, though. Oh, it's got to be. Well, after the uh, the Netflix show, it's kind of... That, did that take place in... A no, but, it, but it's called Midnight Mass. Right, but so. I'm saying like that's a different... You know, I think Midnight Massachusetts is extra awful. Oh, yeah. oh, it is. No, it I, is. I, and I like Mike Flanagan. I'm not saying that Mass is awful. I'm saying yeah. this pun. Oh, yeah. No, I. if I was not clear, your pun is bad. You are bad. This is the last time we're doing a podcast together. As long as we're on the same page. Okay, just making sure. So, uh, Roland Voigt is having an Eyes Wide Shut party. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we follow this uh, young guy with... Uh, shirt with no sleeves in just a full-on eyes wide shut party where you, people are either you know dressed in three-piece suits or they're having very elaborate active sex and this guy just kind of wanders in like he's going to mcdonald's and it, it got me thinking that you know if you ever get invited to an eyes wide shut party you should really know like five or six people going into the party. It's good to have spotters. Exactly. Like people that are going to know that you've gone missing and maybe you were invited because some people have appetites that can't be sated easily. Yeah. And, you know, people aren't going to be looking for you mm-hmm. next week. It's good. It's going to be tracked. It's going to be tracked. It's going to be tracked. So uh, this guy who... I, I forget if we ever get his name. It doesn't uh, really matter. Joey was what I had to know. It though. is Joey. Yes. Because the hang to be noted that it was Joey. Because uh, uh, if you remember in Hellraiser 3, we had Joey played by Terry Farrell. All right. As opposed to uh, Paul Paula Marshall, who was playing Terry. And I've gone cross-eyed again. I, I still love that gag. <laughs> It's so confusing. Joey, play, Joey played by Terry. Terry played by Paul. And Tony Danza as Tony. I mean, he was the smartest of the bunch. Yeah. They're going to know you as this name, so just go mm-hmm. with your name. It saves so many blown takes. It does. Well, definitely for him. Yeah, for plus we get to hear him say, Leviathan. Leviathan. <laughs> oh, God. Tony Danza is Frank, is Larry Cotton in... God, what if you redid Hellraiser with the Who's the Boss cast? Judith Light as Julia? Also Milano. As Kirsty. Right. Yeah. Right. This could actually work. Uh, we just need a time machine. 
Also, I think we'll... Yes, Patrick, in the hypothetical about remaking Hellraiser with the to- Who's the Boss cast, yes, we would need a time machine. I'm sorry, we're talking about the Hellraiser franchise, so having a solidly thought-out plan going in oh, is something overlooked very consistently. I mean, you uh, that's not incorrect, but that's still... God damn it. So, he does every film. What? God damns it. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> okay, that's the last pun you get for the day. It's just, you had the midnight mass and you have your goddamn, and you, that, that's what you get. So, uh, Serena it, uh, suggests to Joey that he go to the back room and meet Mr. Voigt. And he goes back to, like, this elaborate cathedral antechamber room that has what appears to be the Hellraiser box. But then the camera pans, and it is, it looks like the box, but it's not the box. It's like a, it's kind of like a foot long. Yeah. uh, Or no, it's like two feet long, actually. Yeah, it's it's definitely long and stretched out, and it looks like, oh, God, I can't remember the name of it, but Kitchen Gadget, where you can turn, like, squash or cucumbers or whatever into noodles. Oh, um, yeah, I don't know what it's called. Yeah, but it's basically hourglass-shaped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he immediately has to pick it up because, well, in his defense, it does look really cool. It's all brass and neat-looking. Mm-hmm. And uh, Roland Voigt creepily pops out of nowhere and, you know, says, Hey, you know, this is nice. Why don't you play with it more? See if you can do anything. And you, you have one of the... The best bits from the trailer, uh, which still sticks with me, was like Joey kind of starts making progress with the puzzle box. And it's nice seeing actual things you have to do with the puzzle box to solve it. This is the first time it actually feels like a puzzle box. It feels like there are things you have to line up, you have to solve. It's not just... You gotta want it. You gotta want it, but also in the other ones, it's like you hit this button, then you automatically turn one thing and everything else starts automating itself. Yeah. And it kind of solves itself and it's on rails. Yeah. It's not a proper puzzle. Like, you have to part by part really fight through the steps to get to the end. It's, again, it's not, oops, you pushed a button, you didn't know what it did, and now everything's awful in your life. You have to go through some yeah. steps to commit to the awful. You could have put this down. Right. But so Joey makes some progress on it. And before he's about to, you know, make the final move, he goes to Roland and says, if I solve it, do I get a prize? And Roland just completely, like, does, like, a scar in the Lion King smile. I do. <laughs> it's like, dude, put it down and run away immediately. Yeah. If... Blanket statement, if you're ever at an Eyes Wide Shut type party or something large and opulent at a private mansion, and the owner of the mansion walks in and says, go ahead, touch it, I'll get something out of this. Mm. You leave. Yeah. You always leave. Agreed. It's just, no. Mercifully, I don't get invited to these parties, so, you know, everything's fine. It's not a good scene. Unless you can get some good silverware out of it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go with it. I always wear my cargo pants to the orgy. Don't ask why. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So Joey Joey solves the box and in fairly short order, just a whole bunch of chain. Or actually, he he solves the box and then a uh, knife, uh, like a small little knife, pops out and cuts it, mm-hmm. which will be important later. And uh, and then in fairly short order, the chains and the hooks arrive. And as the box starts restructuring itself at this point into the diamond uh, Leviathan God from Hellraiser 2, we see like Joey just getting lifted in the background mm-hmm. and start getting pulled apart. Yeah, as, he's uh, being like, oh, like just chains shooting out. It's a background detail. Like it's, a, it's out of focus as the box is changing in the foreground. Yeah, and we're focusing and, on Roland who's yeah. praying to Leviathan, but in the background. Yeah. yeah, in the background we've got this just sick version of Mary Martin's Peter Pan starting. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, completely accurate. Uh, and then as like the light starts coming down and all sorts of things or whoosie what's-its are happening, we cut to six years later, and we meet Riley and Tre- and Trevor, and they are having very active, very loud sex. Yeah. Remember, it's it's sex. We, we got sex back in Hellraiser. Yeah. It's been a while. Like, what was it? Well, um, the last one we had the married couple do it. Uh, yep. Okay, yeah. And that was miserable. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. It has not been a while. I'm sorry. No, it's all good. <laughs> um, but it's honestly... The franchise is making up for lost time overall the last couple. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and even though the film is R-rated, we are still in modern horror movies where you're probably just not going to actually see any parts. No, no. We do see some dudity later. We, yeah. do, we see Trevor in the shower, but that's about it. Or actually, no, at, at the end, we do see Roland's junk. Yep. Which was fun. But it wouldn't not have, for him. I, I mean, I mean it, 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 it wouldn't have minded a pair of boobs. In the movie, but yeah. anyway, uh, even one at a time. Hey, <laughs> Trevor makes the rookie mistake of saying that he loves Riley in the middle of it, and then she immediately tell like tells him to get off, and then she gets on all fours and it's like, okay, we do it from this way now because uh, I can't look at you. Yeah, <laughs> okay. why don't you just go ahead and you pretend you're anybody else for real? Yeah. Uh, Way to catch feelings, Trevor. Um, I think he might have been lying. What? Fibbing, fibbing, fibbing. No. So, uh, they finish up. Or did the I love you make her kick him straight out? Um, I don't think it kicked him out. She didn't kick him right out. I think they switched. I mean, once they're done and go out to the living room and she introduces him to everybody, all of her roommates and such, and the friends, he is invited to stay and she basically lets him know, no, that's good. You're fine. You can go. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. um, She introduces him to her brother, Matt, Matt's boyfriend, Colin, and their uh, other roommate, Nora. And uh, after Trevor leaves, it's just great. It's like, you just heard us fucking the whole time, right? And they're like, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've seen this apartment, but yeah. It was still I'm surprised you didn't hear us talking about it while you were doing it based on the way the sound goes through this apartment. Yeah. But it was one of the few times we ever actually had a joke in this series, which was kind of, fun, kind of a change of pace. Huh. Yeah. Right? Like, 
Pinhead and others have had like little one-liners and stuff, but just like yeah. an actual little funny moment of just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we find out that right after dinner, Matt starts kind of giving her crap, giving her shit about her choice of men because we find out that uh, Riley is a recovering substance abuser and uh, she met Trevor in the 12-step program. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt does not approve, but Matt... Well, he does not approve of meeting the guy at the program. He does approve of her seeking help yeah. and hence letting her live with him while she tries to get treatment. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. But he is kind of a man. Oh no! Yeah, he he like it, it, as the movie progresses, it is he is just one of those guys. It's like I like that you're the one that always has problems that I can point out to you. Yeah, Which, and his yeah. his version of helping her is basically, why aren't you sober yet? You should be over this. For like he's really not good as well. He wouldn't be a sponsor because no. he himself apparently has not been through the program. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he's basically the kind of person that would push somebody to relapse very quickly. Yeah. Traditionally. Just, come on, man. Um, he, he expresses his love in shame and anger. I mean, that may be one of the configurations of the box. It probably is. Uh, I, would, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. They'll have L names, though, so it would be um, Lashing Out. Lashing Out. Um, although that could be a different thing with the box. Yeah, yeah. We'll work on it. We'll work on that. So, uh, Riley goes over to Trevor's place the next day because who needs that shit? And, um... I thought she stormed out in the middle of the night. I know. I think that comes later. later. I think that's later. So, the next day, she's at Trevor's and complaining about how Matt is correct to a degree. But also, like, and you see her drinking and smoking and, you know, not abusing pills, which I think was the specific thing that she was in the treatment for. But she was supposed to be in for all things because okay. she got yelled at for drinking later. Okay, my bad. But it was a general all-purpose addiction issue, mm-hmm. um, which again, not really handled terribly accurately in this, but eh, yeah, we'll say. It's back. Right. Um, so she complains about needing money. Uh, because her job, she has a waitressing job, and it's not going that well. And Trevor lets slip that you know uh, he might have a way to make money. What with all he he apparently delivers a lot of art. He's a courier of art. Short. Yeah. So okay. was, we got to get wrong. Yeah. And uh, but he knows of this one warehouse that supposedly has something locked up that's really really valuable, and. Um, uh, he is the most tr- wonderful object in all the universe, to quote yeah. Time Bandits. Indeed. And yeah. not saying that he's Og, but he's basically Og in this he's situation. basically Og. And they do do a Time Bandits ref homage in the, the van with the, yeah. the, the, the turning into the hallway mm-hmm. thing. Which Hellraiser is Time sweet. Bandits. Hellraiser Time Bandits. Hell Bandits. Time Razors. Time Razors. Huh. Yeah. All right. Um... But Trevor is trying to soft sell, like, like kind of like, I don't know if you're cool enough to do, even want to do this or anything. Uh, it will, we, we should just spoil this now because it will be more fun that, like, Tre- yeah, Tre- like, Trevor is in on all of this and knows exactly what's going on and is a horrible piece of shit. Yeah. And uh, what's great is because 
I didn't catch it the first time around. I mean, he looked a little sketchy, but it wasn't. They they do a good job of not making it overt, overt, right from the right. get go. I mean, I had picked up on a couple bits, but mm-hmm. I also overdo that as a lot of movies. Fair. Uh, but watching it the second time, I loved like little gags, like uh, uh, he says, "Give me a hand, and I'll cut you in." And every time somebody solves the box, in this version, a knife comes out and cuts their hands. And mm-hmm. so it's like, aha. So plan A was just to have, just to feed her to the box like anybody else. Yep. And, um, which makes it even more fucked up because they go to the warehouse, they find like one, uh, like a tractor trailer container. In the container is the safe that has the box. And he makes her do all of the work to get into the safe. Mm-hmm. Like, she's the one, because uh, they don't know the combination and they're not thieves uh, professionally. Uh, they're just whacking at the uh, the combination dial with a sledgehammer. And he's making her do it. With the intent of letting her mm-hmm. damn herself. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like he's much bigger and more muscular than her. Oh, wait. No. He, yeah, he was he was in pretty good shape. He was in pretty good shape. I I do like the the act. I, I forget her name right now, but the actress playing Riley, I like that she does look like shit through the entire mm. film. Like she looks like somebody that is did come out of a program and is just struggling. Right. She has. Thing. Yeah. This is bad. Her hair is not good, and not in the movie not good way. It's just it just looks like a bad day. Hair, yeah. yeah, it's just all. It's always in her face. She's always wearing like three different layers of clothes that don't fit, and she's frantic. I I really liked her in this movie. Yeah, I, I should look up her name. Um, but uh, so they finally open the safe. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, um, also I can't remember whether it's in the scene before or right around here, but he had, at one point she confronts him and asks something of like, "You don't believe me? No, I believe you." It's like, wait, can I trust you? And he doesn't answer that one. Oh, that's later. That is later. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's after the box has started doing things. Uh, the a- actor's name is Odessa Azion, uh, who's on FAM and Grand Army. I do not know these people. Nope. It's a lot of TV casting for this movie. But, um, so, she, she uh, he give, he lets her take the box to try to figure it out. Uh, but like trying to play it down that he wants her to take the box to figure it out. She, uh, Riley makes all of the noise going back into the apartment and interrupts, uh, uh, Colin and Matt's, uh, reading of, uh, Byron in Mm -hmm. bed, which it's just, they're a cute couple in bed. It's sweet. And, uh, Colin, Honest to God tries to keep Matt from reacting or going outside because, dude, it's the middle of the night and she's coming home in the middle of the night. There's no good to be had here. Yeah, this conversation can be had tomorrow more rationally by everybody. Yeah, and she'll be hung over, so mm-hmm. it'll hurt more. Yeah. But no, Matt stomps out, reads her the ride act, and they end up mutually kicking, kicking Riley out of the house. Yeah. Like, he hints at it and then she mm-hmm. makes him say it. Yeah, it's, again, if you know somebody going through recovery, especially in the early stages, um, don't consider it helpful to basically say, well, you fucked up, I guess I can't trust you, I'm done with you, fuck off. 
it's generally not considered uh, helpful. This is a counterintuitive point. Throwing people out onto the street, you know. Yeah, look. Um, She'll fix herself once she's forced to. Look, we know traditionally that, um, well, the Reagan administration tried this in the 80s, <laughs> and it also failed spectacularly. Yeah. So. Remember, if you're out in California, the, Ra- the Ronald Reagan gravesite is a uh, gender-neutral bathroom. This is true. And this has been a part of the Hellraiser franchise since... The first, the second one, mm. with uh, when they were able to just leave the mental home at the end of part two. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yes, yeah, accurate. <laughs> I think maybe that's the real point of the Hellraiser films. The uh, end of like a decades long indictment of the Reagan administration. Yeah, I mean you're not wrong. Like it's definitely there. Yeah. Goddamn asshole. But so. uh she puts all of her stuff in her car and with the uh, the assumption that she's going to be sleeping in the car at least tonight, she does find some some leftover pills from back mm-hmm. in the day. They do a good job of it. Like, it's like, it's one of those things. It's in her stuff and she probably, she looks like she legit forgot that she even had them because, you know. They were in one of those secret cases on her uh, keychain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, you squirrel things away just in case. And now it's like, oh, now it's just in case. Mm-hmm. And so she does dump them out first. Yep. And then a minute later picks three up because it's yeah. been a night. They're small pills. She can't rescue all the ones that she dumps, but she finds three and knocks all three back. Yeah, she does. Um, on top of like, uh, like at least one or two beers and a flask that she'd been hitting all yeah. night. So she wa- she takes the box and wanders to the nearest playground and sets up shop on a merry-go-round. Which it's fun because like they'll do an overhead shot and the merry-go-round uh, uh, is centered in the middle of a square design painted on the ground on the playground so it's like it is reminiscent of one of the sides of the box already mm-hmm. and i i appreciate that yeah, there's a lot of uh i'm trying to think of the term production not visual design? well production design but like visual not choreography but like just coordination action. yeah mm-hmm. uh, like just different things also in the playground was um Sort of a jungle gym type setup, but it was basically a four by four square grid. Nice. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that kind of stuff just echoing through. Yeah, and also swings. And so with the chains. Oh right. Yep. 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 Yeah. So she starts fiddling with the box and manages to solve it, but uh, doesn't get nicked. Like the thing, the like little the knifey protrusion pops out on the side that. Conveniently for her, she's not actually holding on to. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's close, but she, yeah, no cigar. And um, they do a thing consistently throughout the movie where the minute you're marked, or yeah, the minute you're marked, you kind of start uh, tripping out a bit. And even though she didn't get nicked, uh, apparently because she's like adjacent, like she starts seeing things, and we get our first glimpse. Of our new and improved Cenobites. Mm-hmm. What did we think of the designs? Oh, awesome. Right? They were, uh, they didn't want to go, because it's 
30 years after the fact, they didn't think that the S&M latex was going to have as much of a visual impact as something otherworldly and, and uh, creepy yeah. this time around. So I mean, they we are, you know, again, 30-some years, we're past some of the kink shaming where that was, yeah, yeah that, was, that stood out. Exactly. Yeah. And so they went back to the descriptions of the Hellbound Heart where everybody is quote-unquote clothed in basically their own mutilated skin where like even like Pinhead's kind of skirt is her own skin and stuff Mm -hmm. and so everything is gross and wonderful in this movie and I I liked getting back to uh, see like in number like getting back to themes for each individual Cenobite without making them kind of like Freddy Krueger themes, for lack of a better term. Like in number three... Uh, oh, they were all gimmick, gimmick, gimmick. Exactly. CD, you know, video camera. Yeah, it's like this yeah. one yeah, liked this. This person liked this, so sure. now they do this. I always thought more um, more Masters of the Universe. Okay, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Each figure Fair. has yeah, yeah, yeah. their one big thing. Yeah. Spider, he has... A, web hook and he looks like a spider and he's got spider eyes and he got you know mm. yeah yeah uh, but this one they're definitely like the theme is just how far can you push the human body into some yeah. other form mm-hmm. and then do things with it like uh, like it's more like the the way they torture people uh, is more their personal preference as opposed to yeah. I only throw CDs at people Sort yeah. of thing, you know? Yeah, it's much more of a Jim Rose Circus kind of thing. Yes. Mm. Mm. Everybody looked good. But uh, the Cenobites tell uh, tell Riley that, hey, you got you solved the box, you gotta come with us. And, or no, they point out that she didn't get cut, and so it's like, you should cut yourself. Ooh, you should cut yeah. yourself. And like, you missed a easier. step. Yeah, you missed a step. We can't leave, we can't go home by ourselves, so if not you, somebody else. And you get, like, a really good dreamy sequence where, like, uh, scars start appearing on Riley in a circle on her chest, mm-hmm. and then the chains erupt out of it, and somehow they find their way into Matt's dream, the brother's dream. Yeah. And that wakes him up, and then he stupidly goes looking for his sister in the middle of the night. But she's only across the street, so continue. Yeah. Uh, he tries to collect her because... I mean, pick your poison. Is, is it the pills? Is it the being box adjacent? Is it a combination of the two? Riley is out of it. And as he's collecting her, he tosses the box away and nicks himself. Yep. That's Thumb the luck. That's the end of Matt. He wanders into, a ba- into the nearby bathroom to clean up his, uh, his, his hand, which seemed kind of dumb considering how nasty the bathroom was. Yeah, any bath, any public bathroom that's open at that hour, for real, it's just just not sanitary. Just go home. Just whatever. Yeah. Do, you whatever. live right there. Yeah. Again, she didn't drive away because she kicked her rearview mirror off of her car. Yes, she did. Before stumbling away, and yeah, it's goofy. It's her car. I can't say that. I've pounded my car. Oh yeah, no, I'm just saying, like she didn't drive. Yeah, and exactly. So like, yeah, home is walking distance. As opposed to, to quote train spotting, the filthiest toilet in all of Scotland. <sighs> or, I'm sorry, Serbia. 
or I'm sorry, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Um, I'm sorry, Taxachusetts. Taxachusetts. Nice. The um, I, I I appreciated the pace of the movie. Like we get the bit at the beginning with Voight and Joey, and even that is kind of obscured a bit. But it's enough to like it's the promise of the movie that it's like you're gonna see all the stuff you want to see, and. Like each time somebody gets taken by the box, it gets exp- it gets exponentially worse. Uh, like it, the movie just felt very confident mm-hmm. in, in what it was doing, and so yeah. it's just like we see a little like Matt's in the bathroom. He starts hearing things. He starts tripping out a bit, and you see like he, he sees one like the silhouette of one of the Cenobites. And maybe part of a wall starts opening up or something, or he sees the blue light. So he's, uh, the wall starts, I think, receding a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But then from, then we cut back to Riley, and from off camera we hear him scream, and then he's just gone. Yeah. And the box has, has rearranged itself into a new configuration. I love that each time, like, the box changes its look every yeah. time somebody gets taken. This new configuration looks kind of weirdly like UFO meets Paper Lantern. A little bit, yeah. And so we have the police questioning Riley. We have Colin and Nora questioning Riley. And Riley has answers but doesn't have all of the answers. And she freaks out and goes over to Trevor's house. And man, again, watching it the second time, the look on Trevor's face when Riley shows up. It's like, mm-hmm. Riley, what are you doing here? Alive. Mm-hmm. On this plane of existence. So, how are you? Still here. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, also, in the scene, and this is where I almost, like, I, I started kind of confirming your suspicions early, because it was just, rewatching it, it was just too much, and it was kind of obvious, but when she tries to explain what happened to Matt, and she pulls out the box from her bag. Trevor looks at the box in the way that only people who know exactly what that box is would look at that mm. box, which is... That's when she says, you believe me, don't you? Of course I believe you. I can trust you, right? We need to figure this out. That might be one more scene away. It's... I, it's... it's Because it's, I feel like that happened in the staircase after uh, Serena. Okay. I don't know. You might either, either way. Either way but you were taking was, better notes than I did. I told uh, you you'd want to take more notes than didn't yeah. you? Yeah. But uh, that was that was when I was like, oh, he is absolutely behind this. Yes. Yeah. Fucking asshole. Uh, so they, at Riley's prompting, uh, they figure out whose name is on the deed for the warehouse that had the cargo box, that had the safe, that had the box. Which was also still in the box that Serena got it in. It was just, it was like Russian nesting dolls. <sighs> anyway, uh, so we find that Serena is in a hospital that I did not clock whether or not it was labeled the Chenard Institute, which that might have been fun. That would have been fun, but I don't, I feel like we would have noticed that. I feel like, yeah, they would have made it a bit more overt. Yeah. So we'll go with no. And Serena has lung cancer. And is just not loving life and really doesn't want to have any visitors right now, let alone people asking about, you know, safes and abandoned warehouses. And she's like, I didn't abandon the warehouse. I locked that thing up. 
What are you talking about? Do you even understand what you're looking for, what, what you're going after? And then Riley pulls it out, and she gives the box the look of, Why is this here? Mm-hmm. No. Um, Please, no. Every mistake. Every mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And so Serena tries to man, tries to man up for her prior misdeeds at the employment of uh, Roland Voigt. And also, we do get the uh, the call the the Hellraiser line callback uh, when uh, she's explaining uh, that Voigt wanted to meet the uh, the Cenobites, and it's like he thought he thought they were angels. You'd think a devil would know a devil, which is their version of angels to some, demons to others. Um, but so Serena wants to make wants to make up for what she did, what she helped do. And so she tries, she's like, I'm going to take the box and I'm going to lock it up forever. Uh, Riley wants to hold on to the box because it's her only chance of hopefully getting Matt back, but at least figuring out what happened to Matt. Right. We are still operating under the assumption, maybe we can get him back. We can't get him back. No. He's done. Um, and uh, in the struggle, uh, the box gets solved again and Serena gets nicked this time. She falls back into the... It's not always much of a puzzle. If True. you can accidentally solve something struggling over it, well, it's... I know the box wants to be solved. Yeah. But if you are trying to see how obsessed somebody is that they will continue to persevere, you should make the box a little challenging. No, that's fair. I was yeah. just thinking about like the Twin Peaks season two, how like how they ended up forcing a few of those puzzle boxes open. Yeah, because it's like yeah, you can just force it. You, you know? just you can just smack it. Or or uh, knives out the glass onion. Right, <laughs> but that's that's also like that is specifically addressing the obsession necessary. Yeah, and the game, and that the game is more important to the game maker mm-hmm. in those situations. Yeah, whereas I don't know. This sometimes feels a little. Uh, now you want it enough. That's fine. Yeah, that that is. Yeah. So, uh, Riley has a sneaking uh, has a suspicion of what's or no. Serena tells her to leave because you know bad things are about to happen, and Riley takes the box, which is now or which hasn't transfigured itself yet. It transfigures itself uh, in the bag in the car, and then turns into the ink cow. From the Jordorowski Mobius comic book, which is kind of neat. That like it was that is like an overt design. Um, but Serena starts getting the visions. Like everything goes blue, and uh, it, I like the gag of like she's been on a respirator for the whole scene because of the lung cancer. But now that the Cenobites have claimed her, she's breathing fine. Because yeah. hey, don't worry, we're gonna fix the dough. Of course, we're gonna fix that first. We want yeah. you healthy. It's, it's like Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we start getting the walls moving apart, and we get better looks at the Cenobites. And, oh, boy. We, get, we, we see the gasp, I think, in this one. Yeah. And uh, do we see... Oh, we see... I the nun, the, I think we see. Is that the nun? I don't know all the names. But I don't know the names the one of them. I'm just like describing. The deep throat look. Um, yeah, there was one that had what basically looked like a nun's habit of skin pulled from her head. Yeah, but oh, that might be the weeper. Okay, 
Yeah. Um, oh boy. The uh, the the Cenobites' names are uh, the priest, which is right. the official name for Pinhead. Uh, the Shatterer, which that one's obvious. Uh, I think the Weeper is the one that we see. Oh wait, no, the Weeper is the one, probably the one where they pull the knives out of the eye eye sockets. Ah, uh, okay, uh, that makes sense. Uh, uh, the Gasp, Cenobite whose de- deformation hinders her breathing. Asphyx, another Cenobite, which is like, are we doubling down? It's fine. Um, d- 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 and then there's the Mother and the Mask. I'd say the Mother is probably the nun for Mother Superior. I don't think so, because she's, she's uh, her... I think we don't actually see her. I think she's credited. There's some trivia that was saying it's like she's not actually in it. Oh, which all right. is weird. I'm but anyway. just guessing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Because it's... Yeah, I, I don't know the names, but the gasp. Yeah, the gasp is the one that looks like the nun. I think the though the like the the hat the that has the deep throat, uh, open throat thing. Right, but it's um has like pins through her the bridge of her nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then again, it's the nun's habit. Yeah, no, I that's, think you're. Oh no, it does look like that. Yeah, yeah oh, I agree. Uh, but we see her, and like she's got like the full on deep throat Cenobite th- thing happening. But again, no leather. It's all just their own skin and everything. That's, that's kinda, a leather of a different sort. Leather of a different sort. Excuse me. And uh, they, uh, yeah, she takes the nigh, the little daggers out of the, the, the weep's eyes and puts them in her mouth and this is like, oh boy. And then we cut away because mm-hmm. again, we're building. Yeah, yep. building. Uh, and then so then, uh, Tre- Trevor and uh, so Riley does more research and finds out about Roland Voigt, and uh, see so finds the location of his palatial mansion in the Berkshires, mm-hmm. and uh, she splits up from Trevor, who is kind of at his wit's end in a very real, like, believable way because it's like I have to keep this thing going, but. I don't want to be around the box at all, just in case. Right. Which is kind of hilarious mm-hmm. in retrospect. He didn't want to be hands-on enough, so he let her kind of do the thing, but by not being hands-on and just stabbing her with the little thing at the beginning, because he was supposed to open the box and then offer her up. Oh, yeah, And yeah, yeah, he yeah. let her open the box, and that was a whole, you know, whoops. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 that's what it was. Yeah, yeah but he right. was, yeah, by him be, not being hands-on, he's now stuck in the middle of all this. And yeah. he's out of control of the situation. That is what Roland wanted him to do. I didn't figure, I didn't understand that. For, I, I thought he meant, like, Roland meant for just, like, have somebody else solve the box, but it's like, no, if you solve the bo- box and cut somebody else, you're fine. Yeah, so, you can tag them. Ugh. Gross. But I think Trevor, I, I still think that was the smartest thing Trevor did. You know, it didn't work out, but it's like, I wouldn't even solve it. You right. know, it's just like, let's just not be part of anything. Yeah. Like, and honestly, I would have liked them to mention, like, how much Roland is paying him to do any of yeah. this. Yeah. Because I gotta, I, I, having seen what I've seen, which Trevor clearly has, I'm gonna need a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and considering how much money six years prior... Went into purchasing the box mm. at the beginning of the film because when they open the box full of money, it's stacks upon stacks of hundred dollar bills. Yeah, they are. 
So that's probably ten grand a bundle. I would assume. Yeah. So it, it's at least a million dollars. Yeah, for the box. Yeah. American. American. And uh who knows what other favors in addition. Mm-hmm. So uh Riley goes off to Voight's house and has like it's a fun little detective-y sort of scene where like they make her like she has to figure out how to get in and she does like honestly because the house is now covered in this iron design grid mm-hmm. design which was not there before and we don't know what it means just yeah. yet but she finds a way to sneak sneak in and yeah the, the iron design looks like um a semi-rusted version of the syncope logo before any of the christopher nolan movies yes yeah exactly and um so she wanders around Void's house, starts figuring out uh, what switches do what, what op- unlocks the door and everything, and then finds his study, which, honest to God, has a book that's just the cheat code for the entire plot of the film. Which, yeah. if there's a weakness to... Okay, there are two weaknesses to the film. One, we have the book of exposition that explains everything, but, I mean, how are you going to get our people... They have to know what's going on, or else they're not going to be able to do anything. And also, um, the franchise, having started in the 80s and dealing with puzzles, I actually read a recent thing. um, It was kind of breaking down the difference in classic Nintendo games compared to video games now. Mm -hmm. Video games now train you as you jump in. So you don't need a manual. You just start and they give you training levels. Oh, now try your gun. Now hit the B button to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, games back then, you needed to read the book to know what any of the buttons did, what any of the items were, what any, you had to read the manual. Yeah. And so I feel like this is the old NES manual for this 1987 puzzle box opened by new kids. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah. On a side note, I would recommend the episode of Sequelitis where he goes over Mega Man X because it's all about this game teaches you how to play it as you play it without talking to you. Like, it does it all intuitively through the gameplay. Oh, okay. Like, there's no point in Mega Man X where somebody's popping in to say, hey, this is how you do this. It's just, all right, start moving, and then you'll f- you will figure everything out. Yep. It's pretty great. It's by the Game Grumps guy. Ah, gotcha. From back in the day. Before Game Grumps. But, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. But so now Riley is stuck here with essentially the battle toads of you know. I mean, did you? There's need the, no good. Did you ending. need the man, 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 manual for battle toads? I never beat it. I never beat it either. But it's like you you jump and you hit, you hit and you jump. I maybe this maybe this, this is bad warrants re, more research. Yeah. Oh no, battle toads is legit one of the hardest games ever made. And, yeah. You know. Play the only thing worse than Battletoads is playing co-op Battletoads because that will oh, just end God. friendships. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love it so much. It's so much fun yeah. every like, time. For anyone out there griping about Dark Souls, <laughs> uh, we have such sites to show you. Hey, that's a Hellraiser line. Oh, yeah. I have notes. I don't have notes. Boom. You've covered most of it. Yeah, we're going. Yeah. So, uh. Trevor shows up with Colin and Nora because off screen they have all gotten together to try to save Riley. And Riley is uh, does not want to leave because she's like, 
All the answers are here. We're going to figure this out. And um, they get split up for reasons that... Oh, wait. Colin takes Riley aside to try to have like a come-to-Jesus moment. No pun intended, where it's just like, look, you can't be here. You're struggling. We've got to figure this out. And also, I'm kind of functionally numb from my boy, my live-in boyfriend disappearing and being presumed dead. Right. Like, he really just kind of... Like, a lot of stuff gets thrown at him, but it's kind of weird that he's, you know, as functional as he is throughout the film. But it seems like he's, like the Bluesmobile at the end of the Blues Brothers, like, mm. hanging on by a thread, but ready to come apart the second it's available. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It, it, I, I think Colin and the actor's performance is very believable mm-hmm. through the whole thing, but it's just yeah. kind of like, man, you're keeping it together pretty well. Well, he may still be in kind of denial in terms of, we'll find Matt. You know, yeah. he's just missing because, you know, there was blood in the sink and he just wandered off in a fugue state, I guess. Because yeah. if we don't think we're going to find him, what are we doing here? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Nora and Trevor are in the uh, the bar room of the Voigt uh, mansion. And Trevor start, uh, gets some glasses and some liquor and says, what's your pleasure, ma'am? What is your pleasure, ma'am? Again, again, call, plenty call of callbacks. Back, callbacks, yeah. uh, but you know, in the midst of all new shit, which is fun. Yeah. Um, Nora, uh, Nora says that we don't drink in front of Riley, which is very, which is a good. That's how you support somebody who's in recovery. Uh huh. And uh, so Trevor says, "Okay, well, I'm gonna go in the other room and figure something out," and he leaves with the bottle. Because it's like yeah. he's a Trevor, who again she met at a twelve-step meeting. Yep. That um, sh- again should have been a giant flag to everybody else, but they didn't like him from the get-go. No, they didn't. He has very real scumbag uh, vibes to yeah. him, which is not to suggest that anybody in the twelve-step program or any sort of recovery program has that, but this guy yeah. does. The guy who goes to twelve-step meetings but openly drinks outside of them and just hooks up with people at those meetings. Yeah. That is a scumbag. He is a scumbag. That is, yeah. yeah. So Nora is fiddling around with all the, the, the buttons and switches behind the bar and finds one that opens up a secret passageway. And this is where Pat and I had a very solid disagreement about what to do when you find a secret passageway. I would say, leave the house. Because holy shit, what in the, why would this be here? And I have always, since I was a little child, loved secret passageways and hidden hallways and bookshelves that turn into tunnels. And my house, second house I lived in growing up, we had secret tunnels, like between my room and my brother's room. And we explored the hell out of them. And they smelled weird, and I think critters would get in there every so often, but it was still secret passageways, and I love them. No. So, nope, I am nope, nope, 100% the person who's going to go exploring. Nope, 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 um, nope. House, House 2, the second story, mm-hmm. uh, House Bound, Temple other movies without Tem- the word house in the title. Temple of Doom. <laughs> yeah, there are more bugs in that one than anything, but... Oh, yeah. But... 
Yeah. I love I love secret tunnels and secret passageways. I always have. In a hell Clue. In a hell Clue is one of my favorite board games because it's a board game that has secret tunnels in it that are much better used in the film than in the board game. Well. But also that movie's magical. The movie is magical. Hellraiser's secret passageways, though. Well, everything in the Hellraiser is dangerous, so like I'm not going to put secret passageways in a different section than playing a board game in one of these might be deadly. Oh, God. I'm just saying. I'm just saying you're not going to survive a horror movie. Probably not, but like I've come to terms with that. Did, well, if you have. Jesus. No. So Nora goes into the, to the secret passageway, and the door immediately slams shut on her. Which is when I would know I had made a mistake. But it's my mistake to make. Oh, what a pity when, when, when uh, wisdom does not profit the wise. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Riley, we cut back to Riley and Colin still having the argument and Riley trying to explain the box. And... Uh, Colin asking, well, where is the, what box? Because the box has disappeared. And then we see a figure in the shadows frantically solving the box and then stabbing Nora in the back. And, uh, that mean, and so Nora finds her way out of the secret passageway and everybody finds her and realizes, oh, well, this is bad. And only Riley and, unknownst to all of us, Trevor know how bad this is. And so they want to get her to a hospital to get her into the van uh, that uh, Trevor used and they're driving away but Nora is hearing bells mm -hmm. and everything starts getting kind of trippy like passages to hell just start forming in the ground yeah which like the driveway is just sort of every so often just kind of the ground just opened up and swallowed itself whole. Yeah, like like discrete sections are receding and to be replaced by staircases that lead down mm. or up, uh, depending on where you're coming from. Yeah, but they're on the surface, so let's just yeah. say, yeah, down for their purposes. Down for their purposes, and this also brings us to the other major flaw of the film is that there's a good 20-25 minutes of this movie that is just almost too dark to be seen. Yeah. And we were adjusting the lights and then the sun came out. We had a torrential downpour, but sun comes out and we started losing a lot of the visuals. Yeah. But at least but it wasn't until Leviathan shows up at the end that the clouds legit parted and the sun shone into the apartment. Yeah. I did not like the coincidence of that. Uh, you need to be worried more about things, I Pat. I, I mean, I hear you, but at the same time, like, obsessing over it seems to be the downfall of so many people in these movies. I'm not obsessing. This is a thing that just happened like an hour ago. I know. I just... I'm not going to survive a horror movie. I know this. Oh my God. It's, look, I'm amazed I've survived life this long. A lot of people are survive are surprised I've survived life this long. Well, you know, they're just me. Um, no, they're just keen observers. Ouch. Oh, no, no, no. I have done stupid things. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. I, well, name one. You, um, it, you, you put, put yourself in this corner. Well, I mean, I've thrown myself from the hood of a car doing 30 because I thought it'd be funny. Was it? 
Yeah. Well, so at least so like, account, the experiment say, was a success. Right, but this doesn't teach me any lessons. No. It teaches no. me that Roger Rabbit rules actually translate into the real world and that I might be a cartoon character. This is not a healthy thing for me to believe. No. No, it is not. But fun. Mm-hmm. So everybody is yelling in the van except Nora because she's tripping out. And this is one of the few times where it was really like, uh, where it really hit me. It's like, yeah, we've got kids in this movie instead of adults because there's all like, what the fuck is going on? What? We've got to go fucking this way and fuck this. And oh shit. And oh God, God. It was like, guys, this is not Hellraiser. Yeah. Hell, Hellraiser is, oh dear, and how do I get out of this? It's not panicky teenagers in a car, which, right. again, they're in their 20s, but still. Um, but it is fascinating to see, like, the Hellraiser physics start happening at, against a car that's mm-hmm. in motion. So the car... Yeah. The, 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 the conversion van. The conversion van. Love it. Uh, the Cenobites are fucking around with the layout of the road so that they can't drive away. But also, per, to Nora's perspective, the van starts dra- like extending uh, exponentially or inf- to infinity, like the uh, the hallway in uh, or the bedroom in Time Bandits. Right. Which yeah. I always love that yeah. gag. Yeah, it's uh, the classic camera trick where you zoom in as you're pulling the camera back, or vice versa. Uh, also popular, like in Jaws, when Brody realizes something's going on with the kid out in the water, yeah. and you just the person stays exactly where they're on frame, but the background either pulls way far back or zooms way in. Mm-hmm. The van is doing that, including physically, when, yeah. <laughs> and she looks forward to everybody up front driving, and they're getting joints back. They just end up disappearing, and she's left with black. And then it turns into the hell, like the Hellraiser hallway, like it's all stuff. It looks like Hellraiser too, with mm-hmm. uh, the Leviathan, the maze, and everything. Yeah, and uh, we do see the spinning torture rack thing, and uh, we finally get our first full-on look at the Hell Priest Pinhead. Man, she looks good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like the uh, the design itself is great, but they keep. The pins have kind of like a little pearl at the end of it instead of just like the nail heads or, or the pin heads rather. Yeah. But so they all, regardless of how dark it is, the pins, the pin heads all glow yeah. or you can only see them. They're rounded as opposed to like flat top nails. Which they weren't, Doug Bradley's weren't flat heads either. Right, but, but they were like flatter. Yeah, it's definitely much more pronounced. And again, the lighting catches it beautifully. It just there's always like this kind of halo, for lack of a better term, around her entire. Maybe face. intentionally. It could be intentionally. Yeah. Uh, they did ask Doug Bradley uh, to see if he wanted to do a cameo in the film, and uh, he t- politely turned them down for two reasons: one, COVID, yeah, because it was still in the middle of all that. And two, he wanted uh, his work as Pinhead to just stand on its own. Like, he wanted, like, my my work in Hellraiser is just being Pinhead. I don't want it to be, oh, Pinhead, and also this cute little cameo that I right. made as like, Pinhead. this is just the Hellraiser guy in whatever role we give him. Yeah, yeah. so, which I kind of respect both of those, re- both of those reasons. Yeah. 
Uh, he did say he loved the look of uh, the new Pinhead, and but I'm not sure. I, I haven't read if he's actually seen the film. Like gotcha. an actual response to uh, Jamie Clayton's performance, which I thought she was very good. Yeah, like they like Pinhead. This is not to uh, downgrade or, or to besmirch Doug Bradley. Pinhead kind of lives or dies with his dialogue. Yeah, and so because we had a good, they had a good script in this movie. Pinhead's going to be good, but Jamie Clayton definitely has the presence and yeah. the like the movement of somebody who is you know a zealot for physical pain and in charge of everything, mm-hmm. and always like the the little smiles that she would give periodically throughout the film were just perfect. I, I, I thought she did a great job with everything. Yeah. And actually on that tack, um, the pinhead from the last film, uh, from 10, from Judgment, yeah. um, plenty of great lines to deliver and a fun pinhead performance. Shame it wasn't Bradley, but it was a great pinhead. Yeah, he was. It was, it was Mark T something, or Paul T. Taylor. That was his name, I remember. Huh? Paul T. Taylor. That sounds like one of the kids from Home Improvement. That's true. Ugh. Paul the Toolman Taylor. Ugh. But, um, no, uh, and this, so this is where we get, like, our first, like, real glimpse of, uh, the personality of the new Pinhead. And so Nora gets immediately chained up and, uh, kind of flow, like, she's got, Pinhead has Nora kind of horizontal in midair like on the hooks and man they did not skimp or shy away from any of the gore in this film knew they did not was nice it was just you know we're doing a horror movie god damn it we got the R we're getting the R rating no matter what we do so Mm -hmm. let's go for it but at one point it's got her so that it's pulling her chest and like hips forward but the rest of her is being bent backwards yeah and yeah she looks like an open parenthesis. Yeah. And it's... Oof. It's brutal. And Penhead starts asking her questions, like, what are you praying for? And uh, Nora says, salvation. And Penhead immediately goes into, what would that look like? Just heaven? Something nice? Mm-hmm. Forever? One note for, for as long as you live? It's like, the body can be made to do so many other things. And then she takes one of the pins out of her head and just quietly sticks it through Nora's voice box. And as she's Nora is screaming, uh, Pinhead is just kind of tweaking the pin uh, and the nail in different directions and changing the tone, the sound of Nora's voice. Yeah, her scream is yeah modulating, including as we watch from inside the throat. Yeah, we do. Just so, just in case anybody wasn't. Didn't know what we were doing. For everyone that we told to watch the movie before we talk about it, if you hit any oh. of these parts and then said "fuck you guys," well, that's that's um. You want to you want to record? Nah, a, I think we're already a, in. a warning to no to put at the beginning. I think it's Hellraiser Eleven. Okay, fair. Yeah, you kind of yeah. yeah. You should have known. So, um, sorry, you I know that box. down. Sorry. Yeah. Uh... We did consider it and decided not to warn you, even though we had the Bill and Ted ability to go back and put the keys above the door. We have opted not to. 
and instead be irresponsible. But then, then again, I'm the one who takes the secret passages. I'm saying. So I I tend to veer irresponsible. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. So we cut. Uh, Nora gets kind of shredded at this point. Yeah. And, uh, and this is another one of those times where Pinhead says, "Is like, we were going to experience like everything about you before we're done with you. And again, just to look for any silver lining. Just the fact and that you could, that they could be done with you at some point. But is, the thing is, they say that and then they are done with her fairly quick. That's what I'm sort of, yeah, it, it's yeah. probably they're doing other stuff later. Maybe, or they just were like, oh, well, I guess that was the limit of her suffering. Okay. Yeah. Um, Next. Yeah. Like, it def- there's definitely a lot more emphasis on you being physically there. Like, not just yeah. like, you've died and now we have your soul to we can do all that. with. But, like, yeah. you And they might body. be doing the, all the in hell stuff, but, like, mm. here on Earth, everybody yeah. else has long... I feel like... She might have been one of those uh, wax bottle candies where it looks like so much more candy and then you bite it off and it's like three drops of flavor and they're like, oh, well, apparently Nora just didn't have much suffering in her. All right, cool. Um, But we got what we got out of her. Yeah, not satisfying for any of us. We just want to chew wax now. Let's just, let's let's, let's kill somebody else. Let's kill somebody else. So uh, the van has crashed. And um, Riley, or um, I'm sorry, Trevor and Colin are arguing about what to do next. Trevor wants to lead everybody back to the house because, well, for him, is for, for the real reason is nefarious. But for practical purposes, the car, the van flipped over. The only other car is back at the house. What are we going to do? Uh, Riley picks up the uh, reconfigured box and is about to throw it into a nearby body of water when Pinhead directly addresses her and advises, hey, two more and you get the prize. Mm-hmm. You want uh, the prize? You, we can do all sorts mm-hmm. of things, sweetie. You don't even know. Mm-hmm. You want your brother? 12th pa- purchase and you get your next sub for free. I'm saying foot long for free. Mm-hmm. And uh, but she remembers that it's a subway footlong oh. she's aspiring towards. And you would be surprised at how much you'll miss subway footlongs when you can't eat bread anymore. Um, I haven't had subway in years, so I think I'm good. But also, I, like I prefer bread. Bread. Oh, I like that Italian herb bread. The one with the shoe stuff in it. Yes. All right. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and then we get the next, like, really great pinhead line. This was the line that, like, when I was watching it, I had been into the movie all the way through, but this was the line. It's like, oh, they really get this and what's going on. And, uh, Riley is arguing with pinhead, saying she doesn't want any of this, and it's like, I've had enough. And pinhead just says, enough is a myth. And it's like, yes, mm-hmm. that is a Cenobite line. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh. The only thing it was missing was Carol Kane popping out from behind something and going, yes. <laughs> no, no, myth, myth. Yes. <laughs> and, um, but then Pinhead kind of cheats a little bit. Like, uh, Pinhead kind of pops the knife out and, uh, marks, uh, Riley mm-hmm. and puts it on her. Hey, we want two more. One of them is you right now. Unless you pick two others. 
Which again goes against the whole, well, you fucked up, you got yourself into this situation. She has been fairly good at avoiding her actual yeah. personal involvement. Yeah, the Cenobites forcing the issue doesn't yeah. doesn't sit great with me. I, I agree. It's uh, again falls under the playing it a little fast and loose because I mean they're all on the hook as it is, or yeah. she's on the hook as it is because mm-hmm. she's interested. But yeah. then again, she was about to throw the box away, so maybe it is. She was ready to be done with all of. Them. She was ready to step away. She was ready to not be involved. She was ready to not sign that contract. And if the devil forges your name on a contract, yeah. it doesn't count. You're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah, that one. That that's a that's a flaw. All right, three flaws. Um. Uh, we uh. So now that. So now that Riley is officially on the hook, the set, it also lets the Cenobites just be out and about at this point. So yeah, yeah, this yeah. is just a cheat. This is just pinhead cheating, yeah. which. Uh, it's, I, I go back to um, you ever see things to do in Denver when you're dead years ago I like when uh, after Christopher Walken promises uh, Andy Garcia that he's not going to kill one or two of the guys uh, and Christopher Walken of course kills the two guys Andy Garcia is like you gave me your word and he's like Jimmy I'm a criminal my word is shit <laughs> yeah, but traditionally hell has pinhead has been about order Oh, oh, yeah, no, no, yeah. no, 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 it's a flaw, but yeah. at the same time, my word is shit. Um, and uh, so the Cenobites are going after Riley, who is also with Trevor, because Riley is tripping out a little bit now, and uh, Trevor's trying to bring her back to the house, and they get pinned uh, behind one of the gates uh, by the chatterer, and uh, the knife is sticking out of the box because, hey... It's either marked you or marked somebody else, so you let us know. And the chatterer is starting to like bite the shit out of Trevor, which was satisfying even before the yeah, official reveal. He's been reveal. chattering for ten movies now. So hungry. Yeah. So hungry. Got a nosh. Yeah. And um, that's when uh, Riley has the genius idea of stabbing the chatterer with the box, mm-hmm. which, as it turns out, yeah, that counts too. Yeah. Somehow. Somehow, for some reason. And we see the Chatterer pulled in every direction mm-hmm. at the same time. It basically looks like the Chatterer explodes. Yeah, it's um, those little champagne poppers. Yeah, they're like uh, the Jesus Wept moment. Uh, Which, yeah. to their credit, they don't do the Jesus Wept callback. No, no much of Jesus in the whole film. Uh, yeah, no, other than just random oh god, oh gods. Oh god, oh gods, but no Jesus. But no Jesus, yeah. No. Um... So Colin, Trevor, and uh, Riley make it back to the house. They lock the house down uh, because, uh, oh yeah, in the book I, of everything, they uh, the the book of explain everything. Uh, they learned that the desi- the the iron design surrounding the house keeps the Cenobites out, and uh, they almost make it into the house before everything closes. But they are really committed to that slow walk and looking cool. It's just, you got to put pride aside to get the job done some days. Yeah. It's just, I don't know what they were thinking. But. So, yeah. They're inside. They're trying to take care of uh, Trevor. Trevor's bite. Uh, I hate you. Yeah. I hate you so much. Um, and. I told you. You, you, you've gone above your pun limits, sir. But 
they ask Riley for her belt to tie off as a tourniquet his arm, uh, knowing that Riley's in recovery, so as an addict of things. Thing stuff. Um, indeterminate Coral. addictions. Coral, um, I've got a monkey on my back. Uh, the she stuff would, and the things, they called to me. I'm just saying they turn to the one person who they know is in NA um, and ask for her belt because they know she'll have one. Yeah. And I'm going to say that's a little fucked up. It's a little fucked up. But at the same time, uh, Colin's gay. He's not wearing a belt. His pants fit. They tie, they tie off Trevor. <laughs> they do. And um, uh, Colin, Colin and Riley go off to try to formulate a plan. And this is when the shadowy figure emerges and it's Roland Voigt. What? I know. Roland Voigt has been stuck in his mansion for the last six years with an elaborate brass protuberance coming out of his front, his like it's his solar plexus and his lunar plexus and his lunar plexus. Is that what it's called? I have no idea. It would be. It awesome. works. Yeah. And it is this mechanical device that appears to be, just be pulling and twisting his nerve endings. Yeah. And he is just perpetually, he's been perpetually in pain for the last six years. As we will later find out he chose the liminal configuration as his prize for getting five people on the hook. And uh, that is to have the greatest of uh, just nothing but sensation, because that is the pleasure that you want. Yeah. The sensation. That's a pretty broad word. It's a pretty broad word. And it's the Cenobites. I mean, yeah. the minute you see one of them, why do you think any of this will work out mm -hmm. in your favor? Did you really think that you were going to get, as I mentioned in the film... Um, the, the feeling of skiing downhill an alpine slide like a York peppermint patty. No, that's the wrong sensation. Yeah. It is a sensation, but this is more like a York peppermint patty and then drinking orange juice. Unfortunately, he found himself looking for a new sensation. And he's not going to live, baby, live. <laughs> so, uh... This was, like, I, I liked what they did there. Like, behind the scenes, they did say that the Voight character was overtly a combination of previous characters, Frank, Cotton, and Dr. Chenard, because you have the fabulously wealthy and obsessed with the occult in general, the Hellraiser boxes, but you also have a person that kept searching for experiences, got himself too far, and is now trying to get out of the situation that he's gotten himself into. So Elon Musk. So Elon Musk, exactly right. But I, I appreciated, like, you know, using the ideas from the previous films, but not just having a guy walking around with no skin again, because we've seen it. You mm. probably... An argument can be made that you could do it better now, but an argument could also be made that, hey, that guy just had no skin, and he was on set. You would do some motion capture CG, CG thing that yeah. may look as good, yeah, but that they pulled it off so well practically, let's leave that as a victory. Exactly. So I like that it was similar idea, but new thing. Right. Trying something different. And the actual apparatus looks horrific. Like, yeah. despite it being, like, all polished and shiny brass, it's just like, just imagine having that where yeah. your midsection should be. Mm -hmm. And, like, there is no chair you can ever 
sit in anymore. No. There's no bed you can comfortably lay on your back or tummy. No. Like, if you could fall asleep, if which you could he fall can. asleep, because it is, he, he explains that it is always changing. It's never the same mm, sensation. He can't grow numb to it. Yeah. It's easing the nerves that are <coughs> deadening to pull on the other ones that are not so much. And, uh, yeah, it's a perpetual pain machine. Yeah. I'm sorry, sensation machine. Sensation machine. And it's also keeping him alive. He can't kill himself. mm -hmm. Otherwise, he would have. Yeah. I guess, man. Yeah, no, he would have. He would have. It's just insane. Yeah. Uh, So, Voight reveals. So, it is revealed that Trevor has been in Voight's employee the entire time. And even when you're in perpetual and interesting uh, sensation, you still have time to chew out an underling that's fucking up. Shit in the bed. Oh, yeah. It, it's kind of funny. It's like, you fucked every, You did everything wrong. He's like, no, everything's going according to plan, boss. It's fine. But like, it's still loophole. Like, I decided, like, I didn't open the box. I let her open the box. And that seemed like it was going to work anyway. And technically, it's still, we got here. All right, I'll concede that. But also... I need to blame quicker. somebody because clearly I'm not the one to blame for my misfortune. Right. Says rich <laughs> people all the time. I'm saying. Uh, yeah, that was what, like, I, I'm glad you ex- you explained that to me because th- that one was confusing me when he was like, you should have opened it yourself. It's like, who the fuck's going to do that? It's like, oh, right. You just make sure you don't get nicked, which yeah. I would really want the exact specs of where that thing is coming out Uh before I even look at it. And if you're not providing that, then I am going to go ahead and, like Chenard, let somebody else do it. Yeah. And or just leave. And, you know, I could just not come back to this house with you and this thing in your chest. Yeah. And Robert uh, Voigt. Roland Voigt. Roland Voigt. I keep wanting to call him Robert Vaughn because, like, he's... Sort of that villain from the last season of the A-Team. Robert, I thought he was a good guy. Was I, he, he basically took foot. over their contract, but yeah. was manipulating them to do his bidding. Uh, so he's not a villain villain, but he was not... I don't think he was entirely a good guy. He so, wasn't... So he was Robert Vaughn. Right. Yeah. So and I keep wanting to call Voight that. You know, like, if this had come out, like, thir- three decades earlier, Robert Vaughn would have been fun in this role. Yes. Yes. Uh, and he kind of did the hair the same way. A little bit, yeah. The salt and pepper and stuff and just the, mm. the coiffure. But, um, so Riley comes up with the plan of, uh, well, let's just stick another one of the Cenobites and we'll be done with this. And so they open up the gates and try to figure out, well, which one of the Cenobites is going to be the easiest to trick and or overpower. And they pick this one that is perpetually... Uh, kind of, its arms are bound up and like another, a similar apparatus, similar looking apparatus mm-hmm. to Voight's. And so they lure her in and then the minute she's inside, she like flicks a switch or something which drops the apparatus and then she just goes ape. Yeah. It was horrifying. It's like all, she goes from zero to one of the 28 days later zombies in mm-hmm. seconds. Yeah. Like, Again, you chose poorly. For real, oh god, we need the we choose the, the the Templar Knight just all over the Hellraiser series. It's just mm-hmm. you chose for this, like, yeah, we know, we get it. You're not helping, yeah, for real, yeah. But uh, luckily, Voight had set up all sorts of gates and traps within the house, not just the outside to keep the Cenobites out, mm-hmm. but for the eventuality that they're going to be let in, 
and activate all the traps and even catch this one's head in a gate uh, just sort of stuck in neither room. Yeah. It look and then like its skin, its like face skin starts coming off. It's and, yeah, it's trying to push itself through ugh. by degloving itself if ugh. necessary. Um, and Riley had dropped a box, running mm. to the other side of the gate. So the box it, is now inside the cage. Yeah. with Trevor. Yeah, and Riley's on the outside, on the other side of it, and so, and then it's uh, Trevor and Colin are the only ones inside, mm-hmm. um, or so they think. But was there any sort of, like, comparison? It just got finally dawned on me that it's not dissimilar to 13 Ghosts in terms of, like, yeah. the house kind of doing all sorts of things. Granted, that's the gag, of, or one of the two central gags of 13 Ghosts, yeah. which that movie's almost great. It's got so much going for it. I Yeah. Yeah. It, like honestly, like the movie is okay, but the thing that makes me like it more is did you ever watch it on DVD? Oh god, the special features are the fantastic. special features where F. Murray Abraham narrates the biography of all thirteen ghosts. Yeah, it's amazing and makes all of them more interesting. Yeah, but it's not actually in the movie, yeah. so you can't give it full yeah. credit. The for movie it. is almost like your gateway into this world of the rest of it, and like. So much of the fun of the movie is the potential of these things that don't pay off entirely. Yeah, which is a bummer because, like, other than the nanny that serves no purpose whatsoever in the film, everybody's kind of fun and doing interesting things yeah. and everything. And it was one of my favorite Matthew Lillard performances, to be honest. I think he's just great throughout yeah. that whole movie. I just enjoyed him usually, as do I. But it was just like, oh, they gave him like a little bit more to do than just be goofy. Like, yeah. there's an actual character there, which mm. was fun. But yeah, no, the gates kind of reminded me of like the moving parts of the house. But so now, uh, Colin is looking for the box that Riley dropped because Riley can't do anything right. Which you know. Maybe Matt was right. Well, we have, again, going all the way back to Kirstie, um, we're not saying that uh. our leads are entirely genius-level escape artists. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Final, no, girls, Final Girls are survivors, but they're not necessarily strategists. No, other than Nancy, which makes her the greatest fighter. Nancy and uh, Laurie. Laurie's good. Laurie, Laurie... Nancy's better. Nancy gets to a game plan much faster than Laurie, but Laurie still knows how, in a moment, to pick the right instinct. Well, that... Yeah. Oh, no, no. You're... you're at, One, you're absolutely right. But two, it's all... That's part of what makes the Nightmare on Elm Street series... Their, their mechanics different from all the other slashers in the 80s is that it takes multiple days. And so you have multiple days to come up with, to understand what's going on and coming up with a strategy. Your, your Halloweens, your Friday the 13th. That's a night. Everybody was having fun, and now all of a sudden people are getting murdered? What and, in the shit? Yeah, when somebody dies, there's a good chance they don't know that any of the rest of the movie has been happening. Yeah. But also Nancy's better. So, I mean, Nancy, Nancy's not only able to develop so many plans by the end of the first movie, including the ultimate thing that kills Freddy at the end of six. Yeah. Like, she was right in the first movie, and they just forgot it for too long. Yeah, it, it yeah. Um, it is goofy. 
Yeah. But she even manages to get a support group together by part three. Yeah. Like, she's super proactive. She's smart. Like, she is absolutely... She is a hero, not just a final girl. Yeah. This is what why I'm always angry when she's, like... You get into, like, these mainstream horror lists, and she's not even in the running, because it's like, oh, it's Ripley, and it's uh, Lori. And I'm like... Nancy's put, not even in the conversation. Are you kidding? Nancy me? is right up there with Ripley. I'm saying. Um, yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong. All of the points about Lori are correct. And in terms of just like, hey, all of a sudden everybody's dead, and I got to get these kids out of here. And Lori mm-hmm. gets all the kids out of there and gets out with her life. And yep. so, yeah, no, Lori. Nothing was. There's not to d- diminish Lori. It's oh just, God, you know, no. yeah, Nancy, but. So, uh, Colin's looking for the box, and all of a sudden, Voight's there, and he's put his suit jacket back on, because he's in charge, and he's got the box, and he not only sta- like pokes uh, Colin to mark him, but he like drags it a bit to really make oh, it yeah, a it's like, yeah. fucking asshole. He wants to make sure, like, no, no, no you, you see this, right? Like, yeah. we are good, like, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then makes a show of it. He makes a show of it. And then he lets the Cenobites in the house enough uh, so that he can start yelling at them. All the while, the uh, the music, which has had little touches of the old Hellraiser music, starts swelling with the Christopher mm-hmm. Young uh, themes as Leviathan starts descending from the heavens above. Mm. And uh, this was when the cl- like clouds literally parted yeah, and shone sunlight the, in the apartment. Yeah. As the Hellraiser 2 diamond leviathan is coming down yes. from the sky. Yes. Yeah, they're dropping those set of beats. I will murder you in the face. Um, and, like, as it descends, like, the whole ground starts resembling the maze from uh, Hellraiser 2. It's just mm-hmm. like, mm, it's so good. And, uh, what's his name? Uh, Void lets Pinhead in enough to start yelling at her. It's like, you knew exactly what this bullshit was going to be and that it sucks. And everything is terrible and I hate you. I, I mean, the dialogue isn't much better. <laughs> no. But he is in a lot of pain. He's, He's in a, a lot of sensation, excuse me. He is basically somebody who has realized what the timeshare he signed up for is. <laughs> yeah. And it's no good deal. No. And there's no getting out of it. Never. And you can try and sublet it to somebody else or whatever, but sorry, you are still responsible for this timeshare in perpetuity. God, I, I saw that John Oliver episode. And it's like, oh, this God. is horrifying. It really is. Like, yeah, I thought like the worst part of the timeshare was like being stuck listening to the sales pitch, but oh, it's like, no, no, no. you're paying for this thing forever, and then your children are. That's yeah. insane. Ugh. That's... I know that we said that we had hit kind of the Amityville Hellraiser a couple back. Amityville Timeshare. Amityville Timeshare. <laughs> with elements. Of, we could put some Hellraiser elements in there. Honestly, I want the Christmas special guy to do Amityville Timeshare. That's what he should do. He should do that one. That would be really fun. And he gets to take his cats with him so he can talk to them. Well, and the ghost. And the ghost. Because yeah. they ended up together at the end, don't they? They did. 
But I know the cats are in a lot of his other movies. Or wait, or does she get like taken down to hell or something? There no, I think she survives. Okay, I forgot. I thought they got a happily ever after. It was a very sweet movie. It was. I love it. I still love that movie. It's one of my favorites. It's good. But um, so all the while that Voight is doing his thing, uh, Colin has stumbled down into the basement and uh, the, the the weep. Is that what they're all? I think so. Okay, the weep is about is starting to you know get into position to do everything or no he gets downstairs but the weep is still kind of stuck because of the uh the the uh the walls or, or the special you know iron grid uh, gates and everything but then riley opens up the door because fuck you yeah it also uh Voight was a real fucking snot explaining the whole backstory and how trevor was using her the entire time and Trevor, who, in his defense, has lost, like, half of his blood, uh, is just like, but babe, I mean, yeah. yeah. He's not convincing. No. If he had, if Voight had not spelled out everything Trevor did, do you think Riley would have still given him the benefit of the doubt? Or, yes. Yeah. So, really, Voight totally just screwed him. Yes. And, unfortunately... But screwed himself in the process because, well, hubris and Elon Musk. And Elon Musk. Um, so this is, uh, we're recording this around uh, about the time where um, Elon Musk has not been paying the server fees to Google. Where Wait, Twitter, oh, Twitter is hosted by Google. Okay. Um, they're just on Google's servers because Google owns everything sure, sure. that Amazon doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so he was at least a million, if not several million back in the server fees. And so in the week before the switch over to July 1st and the next month's billing, uh, a lot of accounts started getting flagged uh, that they were suspended for some of their activity online because Twitter was trying to more or less scale back how many active users there were because their servers couldn't handle the workload, especially after they're going to have to scale back after the switch date. So it switches. And what they did was unfortunately shut down a lot of accounts that had, um, had posts on other sites that were referencing them and the way they shut the accounts down. All of these websites that are referencing these tweets were then doing call responses to a, blocked tweet so they kept trying and kept trying and he opened himself up to a denial of service attack on himself by blocking it the wrong way and so he actually crashed his own site um now not entirely twitter still is up and exists but they had huge server crashes for the first like week of july and it didn't make a lot of news because Nobody cares anymore. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm not, I'm but I, 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 the shade and fruit of it, like, caught my sure. eye. And oh yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. So anyway, yeah. So Void is again still Elon Musk. Still Elon Musk, and uh, Riley opens up all the gates, and Void is in trouble, and Leviathan continues to descend, and Pinhead ha- has a heart to heart with a uh, Void. And he just is begging to have the thing taken away. And then some of the dialogue gets weirdly retail. 
in terms of mm-hmm. like uh, we can't returns are not accepted, but yeah, maybe I'm sorry, you already opened it. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> perhaps an exchange and uh, for the same product for the same product. So Pinhead says, "It's like, oh, maybe you weren't after sensation. Maybe you were after power. We'll give you the Leviathan configuration." And uh, he agrees and says, "Anything is better than this because he has not learned his lesson." Nope. At never all. Uh, the machinery falls off of him, and some of it falls out of his mouth, which yeah. is a nice touch. And we get kind of like a mini Frank uh, re, uh, rejuvenation scene mm-hmm. where, like, after the machinery pops out, you see he's got this gaping hole mm-hmm. that goes all the way through him. So it was just in his spine. Yeah. It was his spine. And you see his spine and all the skin and the tissue regrowing and reforming mm. and everything. And, and he's back to new. He is in perfect condition. For what purpose? To have a gigantic spear go through the exact same spot where the machine was. And it's raw. It's, it's so fresh. It was Those hilarious. are all new nerves. They just grew. Yep. It was fantastic. Oh, that's got a smart... And uh, nothing smart going through that, man. No, it's not. And so the spear is connected to, of course, an equally gigantic, absurd chain that starts pulling him up to Leviathan to receive his new reward. And again, the Christopher Young music is is just booming. And Pinhead says, we have such sights to show you. (laughs) And it's like, yes, this is what we're here for. And on his way up to Leviathan, they start handing him some... Timeshare brochures. Oh, no! Cabo. Macau. The keys. Ugh. Just, no, never, yeah. ever. Uh, meanwhile, in the basement, and these were these scenes were intercut pretty well, I thought, because it's kind of like the same deals are being made, and so people, the Cenobites and the humans are talking to each other, making kind of, they're on parallel tracks in terms yeah. of the conversation. Um, the Weep is uh, about to really go hog on Colin, who has been bound up in what appears to be razor wire. Yeah. Or just it's piano least, wire. It's, I think it's more piano wire. Yeah, it's okay. not, because it's it's not inherently cutting through him, but, um, but it is tightening, tightening and it is painful. But yeah, it's not splitting skin on him. Oh, it is. I mean, it's not, it's digging in, but it's, when okay. I say splitting skin, oh, okay, we get yeah, to yeah, splitting okay, in a moment. You're, right. you're absolutely right. Um, and Riley says, it's like, I, w- I wanted to exchange one, not him. And, mm-hmm. uh, the weep is like, Hey, he's already, uh, he's already marked. He's already on the hook. And Trevor, <laughs> like half out of his mind is like, what are you doing? And, uh, she's like, <laughs> I have the box. What? I just, that moment in Kingpin where they're in the diner and Bill Murray's trying to flirt with a lady at the one table nearby. Hey. Not you! Hey. <laughs> Just that. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and Trevor finally starts to realize what's about to go down and tries to get the box away from her, but it's in the diamond leviathan configuration, mm-hmm. so she ends up just impaling him with it, and it's like, well, it's your turn. It's you now. Mm-hmm. And so... The power is in you all along. <laughs> and we start... We see the weave really start just 
degloving, splitting the skin, like you were saying. Right. And, and then so he's like, nothing on Colin had actually, like, removed the flesh. It was yeah. starting to bleed. It was, like, yeah. pulling in. But, yeah, this because is they, literally just cutting through the flesh and then the flesh, like, falling off. I like that the Cenobites are, like, actively trying to better deal things the mm-hmm. entire movie. It's just like, we've got you, but this one might be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they're just kind of, like, waiting for things to fall to, mm-hmm. before they decide what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, You have violated the Twelve, for you, Ten Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so Voight goes up, Trevor goes down. Uh, Colin, Colin and Riley get back upstairs to the foyer and Colin says, go have the final discussion with them. I'll wait here, you know, away from everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pinhead lists off the six possible uh, gifts that she could receive and uh, including the Lazarus configuration, which mm-hmm. would bring Matt back to life. So we believe. So we believe. Or so, uh, we, well, so she doesn't believe. Yeah, well, so, yeah, that's the, the sales pitch. Yeah. And uh, Riley finally makes the correct decision of Matt is dead, everything sucks. I don't trust you to bring him back, right? None of the gifts that you have are things that I want. Mm. Here, take the box back. Yeah, like, I, we don't use the word monkey paw, but definitely these are all monkey paw wishes. Exactly. And Pinhead has a pretty good monologue about how, well, so you don't want anything. You just want to live with your choices and all of the pain and the suffering that Everyone you cause will be on you forever. Everyone who's died here, uh, your brother's death, everybody, which, rolling back... Honestly, is not entirely her fault. It's it's fine. She'll blame herself. It's, it's I mean, fault. yeah, guilt is guilt. But guilt is guilt. You choose the lament configuration. Dun dun dun! I thought that was a great little Same. bow. Like this is like because the uh, of the many na- of the names for the box, it's like Le Marchand's box. But I think like. At one point, the official name was the, the Lament Configuration. configuration. It was and like, it's as the cube. And it reverts back to the, the first yeah. form, the cube. Yeah. And so the cube is the, is the box's configuration in Lament format. Yeah. Whereas Resurrection, or the Lazarus configuration, would have been one of, one the, of the other shapes along yeah, the way. Exactly. Which is new to the mythology, but yeah. Well, welcome um, addition. Yes. Or, yeah. yeah. Like, it's just good. And she... Uh, she like sees the box has changed. It's on the ground, and she looks up, and the Cenobites are gone. Because hey, we're done. It's uh, you had your deal. Mm-hmm. Go live. And so the last scene for Colin and Riley are in the car, and uh, Colin says, uh, "You whatever you did, you made the right decision, right?" And it's just a good long close-up of Riley's face trying to make sense of everything that just happened. And yeah. I like that they don't have her say anything. It's just like, there's no summing this up. There's no mm-hmm. way to be okay. Like, she's never going to be okay. Nobody, as soon as the movie started, nobody was ever going to be okay. Yeah. Is this the best outcome? We'll never know because we never follow the others. No, exactly. And such is life. Let's say love you. And uh, but then the final scene is uh, Roland Voigt in Cenobite Heaven, 
and being turned into a Cenobite. Uh, just, you see, he's already, he's already been shaved. Uh, we see, like, at least one, if not two different, like, passes over his junk because he's completely naked. And then, uh, we hear Pinhead's voice say, it's time. And then mm. skin starts flaying and being restructured. Pins are added in different yeah. spots. If you are soft on flesh rips and all that kind of stuff, and you want to stop before this sequence, we've told you what happens. Yeah. He does get converted to a Cenobite, but it is brutal. It's rough. It is juicy. It, like, it's, yeah, it, I'm, I'm pretty good at this kind of stuff, and it got me a little bit squeamish. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's painful. It, lo- it looks bad. And yet he's not screaming, like, the entire time. Like, you see him registering pain. Yeah. But he never screams or anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he is a Cenobite to be named later in a film that, at this point, probably is just not going to happen. Uh, uh, yeah. I don't know how well it did for Hulu, but... It, it did. Like, uh, critical reviews were okay. I thought, like, it, yeah, it was received fairly strong for, again, a... For the 11th Hellraiser movie. Yeah, and or a horror reboot. Yeah, it's 65 on Rotten Tomatoes. Some reviewers said this is like a like a weak sister movie. Other people did not. Well, oh, calling it a weak sister movie. Yeah. Probably. Oh, that, my, my words. That, okay, I'm I was going to yeah, say because no, no, that no, no, definitely my, sounds my, like no, some yeah. gatekeeper we, we, reviewing. Weak sauce. I'm sorry. Weak sauce. Okay, I'm just saying. Like, uh, my. Oh, it would have been bad if they had said that because uh, basically, with the exception of one. Not including Roland at the end, all of the Cenobites were women, which was fun mm-hmm. to see the genders, uh, the gender ratio completely reversed yeah. in this one. Yeah. But no, just the internet trolls being internet trolls, I can see them using that term. Uh, one of our questions uh, for my Wednesday trivia game mm-hmm. was we gave five different film franchises and you had to name the film in the franchise that had the lowest audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. And I had to give the caveat, looking at the list ahead of time, of be aware that in some cases, this is, again, the audience score, and the internet is going to internet. Mm. And enough teams took the hint, and were basically between, well, I don't know if it's going to be Ms. Marvel because they're misogynist, or if it's going to be Eternals because they're racist – and the answers were more or less split between them, and it was Ms. Marvel because misogynist. Jesus. Um, uh, it, the Captain racism Marvel? came up because Last Jedi, like all of the review bombs because of, you know. Mm. I mean, there there are people that don't like that movie, and I understand yeah, that. For legit reasons. Well, I understand that they don't like it. I don't understand how yeah. they can't like they're, it. They're, 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 you can they're, make legit arguments for it. Rose is not one of them. No. But most of the review bombing for Last Jedi was that it was woke, it missed the point, blah, blah. Um, internet's going to internet, yeah. so therefore calling it the sister. Why would you think I was reacting to you? No, I was just saying that that may have been a phrase that you saw online yeah. that I wanted to address. No, I meant just now. Uh, I, I'm, fuck's sake, Patrick. Oh, I understood oh. why you were explaining this whole thing. I know, but we got a podcast. Oh, I'm just getting these things out of my system. But yeah, no, it did well in October, viewership-wise, but uh, like on the Wikipedia article, there's not even like the possible sequels, future planning section, yeah. so I gotta believe 
there's no plans whatsoever to make a new one. Yeah. Or it might just be pending the end of the writer's strike and they figure out if hiring writers for streaming products is worth it for them. I mean, the movie came out in October, though. I'm saying the writer's strike right now is about if you, going forward, anybody who writes for streaming may actually have to be paid royalties. That's why I think a lot of the streaming services are dropping a lot of their in-house owned original content is so they don't have to do the math on that and they can make it a bargaining chip in this writer's strike. Well, yeah, but if the movie, since the movie came out in October, if it had been a hit, they would have probably already greenlit it. Maybe. Anyway. Yeah. That is the end of Hellraiser. It is. For now. For the foreseeable future. The ever. I still like all... I still love this franchise. It's a it's the, a fun franchise. Even though it's sort of not a fun franchise. It, like, I, I kind of like, like other review podcasts and stuff. They do make the fair point that the these movies take themselves seriously in ways that horror movies usually don't. True. But I think that's one of the, like, that's part of what makes it different from other things. Yeah. Which I like. Mm. On top of, you know, just random, horrible, biblical-type violence done to people. They scare, the movies scare me. And so, but unfortunately, now that we've had our fun, it's time to go back. There are at least three Amityville movies that are available and even more horrifying, one of them, one of the ones that's on Tubi is listed as a, quote, Tubi original. Tubi is helping finance these things now. I think Tubi may have just, as they're getting this flood of Amityville's coming in, said, have you offered this to anybody else? Like, extra five bucks, we can call this an exclusive. Yeah, but they're doing it. Which will encourage other people to do it and make more Amityvilles. Yeah. Yeah. I forget which but one we, we're I, watching. I, 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 don't know. I don't want to be mad at Tubi. I don't want to be mad at Tubi either, but Tubi is financing Amityvilles. I don't know if they're financing so much. They're as giving them money. They're giving them money. I would like to think after the fact. They're like, well, this has already been made. It doesn't matter. No. No. Tubi, after all the free press we've given you, we have dozens upon dozens of fans. Tubi, after us giving you plenty of free press on this specific film franchise, how dare you make more of it? Ah, shit, this might be on us. No. We rarely recommend people watch these movies. Yeah, but we tell them where they can find them. That's true. We make it Isn't easier for them. Isn't this sort of like um, how people get the Hellraiser box time after time? No. I don't want to even joke about that. That is the one nice thing. It's like now I don't have to have Hellraiser dreams for, for you know, a while until I start watching them again. You don't have to, but you can if you want to. Great. Well, until next week with the Amityville, get out. And see you in our other hell. If you want to interact with us online, you can check us out on Instagram or Twitter at Amityville Show, or you can send us an email at podcastamityville at gmail.com. <laughs>